We're continuing our journey throughout the book of 2 Peter this morning, so I encourage you to go ahead and open your Bibles this morning, 2 Peter chapter 2. We are going to be looking at the first 10 verses this morning, and as you're finding your way there, I want to just remind you that Peter wrote this book in the same general time frame that he wrote the book 1 Peter. However, 2 Peter came near the ending of that time period, closer to AD 67, just shortly before he was martyred shortly before he was martyred. And then as we look through the book of Second Peter, as we read that more and more, we do indeed see that there is a common theme that recurs over and over, and it's this. Believers should continue in the truth faithfully as they wait for the return of Jesus Christ. And this morning, if you're hearing my voice and you're asking the question, so what is the truth? How do we know the truth? I want to tell you this morning, this is the truth. It is the Word of God. It's true from cover to cover. It has not, it will not change. This is the truth. So we should continue faithfully in the truth as we await the return of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, it might be today. It might be today that He comes back. If it is today that He comes back, are you ready to stand before Him face to face? I will tell you, I don't want to scare you But I will tell you, life will end for somebody today. And for the vast majority of those people, they are not expecting it to be today. If that were you today that your life ends, would you be ready? Would you be ready? So hopefully at this point you have found 2 Peter chapter 2. And if you are physically able to stand this morning, would you stand with us as we honor the reading of God's Word? Here's what God's Word tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard then. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority, bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Father, I thank you just that for the fact that knowing your word is holy and that your word is true. 
Father, now, for these next few minutes, I pray that you will hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that your anointing will be upon me. I pray that I will boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel. Father, I pray today that you will open ears, open hearts, open minds to hear and receive the truth of the gospel. Father, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning, if there is anyone that is hearing my voice that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that this will be the day that they will cry out, what must I do to be saved? Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fall upon this place this morning. Lord, I pray that we will see the beginning of a great revival. Father, I pray that it will start within me. Father, the things, for the things that you will do, we will give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to tell you this morning, the title of the message is The Danger of False Teachers. The danger of false teachers, and we're going to be seeing through our text this morning that Peter begins to expose the false teachers. So as our text begins this morning, he says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Church, you've heard me say a lot throughout the years, false teaching is dangerous, and you're going to hear me say that several times today, and every time that I say it today, it's not not because I have forgotten that I've already said it. It's intentional. We need to hear that false teaching is indeed dangerous. We need to realize that false teaching is indeed dangerous. And I want to remind you at the very beginning this morning, you always have the responsibility as a hearer to take what you hear and compare it directly to the Word of God. That's your responsibility. Please do not take that lightly. I encourage you to do that when you hear sermons preached. I I encourage you to do that even in conversations that you have with your friends when somebody says, well, here's what I think. Take what they say they think and compare it to God's Word. And let me tell you, if what they're telling you, if what they think does not line up with God's Word, they are wrong. They are wrong. God's Word has not changed. It will never change ever change. It means what it says. God God says what He means and He expects us to pay attention. May we never, may we never take our responsibility lightly to compare what we hear to the Word of God. But notice there in verse 1, Peter points out that there will be false teachers among you, among you and unfortunately that still happens today now sometimes it happens accidentally maybe somebody has incorrectly interpreted a passage maybe they haven't taken time to interpret it at all maybe they have pulled two or three verses out of context and they are trying to make the bible say something that it really doesn't say never forget that our charge is to take what the bible says in its entirety about a subject, not what two or three isolated verses might say. Again, sometimes false teaching is not intentional, but I want you to hear this this morning. At the end of the day, false teaching is still exactly that. It is false teaching, and the day is coming when we will answer for that. 
Again, immerse yourself in the Word of God. But going back to verse 1 here, this false teaching, it was not accidental. Instead, it was absolutely intentional. These false teachers, they were bringing in what the Scripture calls destructive heresies. Destructive heresies. They were even denying the Master that brought them. Hear me say it again this morning. False teaching is dangerous. It always has been. It always will be. It's dangerous to those who hear. And it is also dangerous to the person that is proclaiming the false teaching because the day is coming when they will stand before Jesus and they will give an account for that. Verse 2 tells us, And many will follow their sensuality. Many will follow their sensuality. And you know, that's exactly what happens today. There are people who only want to hear what they want to hear. That's it, folks. There are people in our world today, they only want to hear what they want to hear. They only want to hear somebody proclaim what they think is correct, regardless of what God's Word says. And so as a result, if they hear somebody that calls themselves a preacher or a pastor and they proclaim something that appears to be easier, they unfortunately follow that false teaching. I want to take us back to the Garden of Eden for just a minute. You remember how Eve was deceived? It was with doubt, wasn't it? Did God really say Well, yes, he did. And he really meant it, too. Now, it was not a situation where Eve misunderstood God. Her ears heard. Her her ears heard what he said. But doubt was introduced into the equation. By who? Who introduced the doubt? Satan, the enemy, the serpent. That, that represents the enemy, that represents Satan. And she chose to believe a lie instead of believing the truth that her ears heard from God. And as a result, humanity has been different ever since. False teaching is dangerous. And it, we see the result of false teaching at the end of verse 2. Because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Church, we have to take seriously what God's Word says. We have to take it seriously. Now, these false teachers, these false teachers are exploiting people with false words, with words that perhaps their ears want to hear. But at the end of the day, the false teachers that are mentioned in our text today, they are interested in personal gain. And I want you to hear me, church, this morning when I say, if you see someone standing behind a pulpit and you can tell that they're interested in their personal gain, there should be red flags waving everywhere. It is Jesus that must be exalted. And then we... Just so we can see how dangerous that false teaching is, Peter begins to give us some examples here. Verse 4, he says, If God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell. He is showing us here that nobody is exempt from judgment. Nobody 
is exempt from judgment. God will indeed judge. Now, you heard me say not too many Sundays ago that fairly often I hear a, a comment that says something that sounds something like this. You cannot judge me. Only God can judge me. And normally, normally, when that particular comment is given, somebody is trying to justify some type of sin. Again, I want to encourage you to take what the Scriptures say in their entirety about any subject. And I will tell you, you will find some other verses that say we are indeed to judge. We are indeed to judge. We've got to take what the Bible says in its entirety. But even if you don't want to hear that this morning, anything about judgment and you're hiding behind the phrase, only God can judge me, you can't. Hear me in love this morning say, He will. He will judge. I want to remind you God is a righteous judge and He is a just judge. He will judge justly. Are you ready to stand in front of Him and give an account of your life. Again, Peter gives us the first example about these angels, that they are not exempt from judgment. Again, false teaching is dangerous. The judgment that is coming is very real. And then he begins to talk about Noah and the flood. Remember, a few Sundays ago, I gave Noah as an example And I I think I asked the question that Sunday, can you imagine the ridicule that Noah experienced when he began to build that ark? And he began to work on it. And I think the short answer to that, our human minds cannot imagine the ridicule that Noah faced. Just try to imagine a moment that the insults that were hurled toward Noah. Perhaps they sounded something like he's crazy. He has lost his mind. Where does he think he's going to take that big boat? But eventually, according to God's timetable, the construction of that ark was completed. And God took Noah and seven other people and put them in that ark along with various animals, and then God closed the door, and it started to rain, and it kept raining. And I can just imagine that those people who previously hurled those insults at Noah, they probably wanted in the ark at that point, but they didn't get in. They didn't get in. That was a form of judgment. God's judgment on the earth at that time. Noah, and I believe seven people, were spared. The rest of humanity was wiped off of the face of the earth. God spared the righteous. God will still spare the righteous. But the question is, which gate have we entered? A few Sundays ago, a few Sundays ago, I quoted Jesus as he was teaching, and he described two gates, a wide gate that is easy to enter. And many people find that that road is easy. And then it's destructive. The path of the wide gate leads directly to hell. The narrow gate is one that Jesus says. Now, Jesus is saying this, not me. Jesus says that few find it. 
few find that gate. And he tells us that the way is hard. But that gate, if you enter that narrow gate, your eternity will be spent in heaven. Your eternity will be spent in heaven. And I want to ask you this morning, which of those two gates have you entered? I suspect that on the day of judgment, on that day that Christ comes back, there are going to be some people who are surprised to find out which gate they have actually entered. Now, I'm not saying that this morning to scare you, but I want to be real with you this morning. I care about your soul. Which gate have you entered? I think we can look at the flood and see, although that was prior to the time of Jesus, I want to remind you that Jesus is also fully divine. He is fully God. By looking at the flood, we would say that many entered the wide gate, wouldn't we? Few entered the narrow gate. And I suspect that few have entered the narrow gate this morning. And then in verse 6, we see another very vivid example. Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want to tell you, when we see Sodom and Gomorrah mentioned in Scripture, they are used to represent sin and rebellion at its highest level. Do you remember the kind of sin that was occurring in Sodom and Gomorrah? It was sexual sin. And parents, I'll tell you, there's no need to get nervous right now. I'm not going to go really into any more detail than that. But I am going to say this. Church, if our eyes are open, it is no trouble at all to tell today that our society celebrates sexual sin. It is absolutely no trouble to tell that. Again, I want to say this in a loving way because I care about your soul. But I want to tell you God's position on this has not changed, nor will it change ever. Do not try to justify ungodly behavior. Do not act like God has brought it about. He has not. It is not God's desire that you live in sin. It has never been God's desire that you live in sin. It will never be God's desire that you live in sin. God will indeed judge that. Can I remind you once again that He is indeed a just God? Remember Sodom and Gomorrah. But I want to share some good news with you this morning. I always want to offer hope during any sermon that I preach. And there is hope today. There is hope today. The grace of God is a very real thing. Can somebody say praise God for that? The grace of God is a very real thing, and I am so thankful for that. But let me tell you what the grace of God is not. It's not an excuse to sin. It is not an excuse To sin. Our text tells us that Lot was greatly distressed. Greatly distressed by what was happening there. And I've got to ask us a question this morning. Would we say that we're greatly distressed about what is happening all around us? When we look around and see the ungodly activities, and let's just say in the United States today, or if, if it's easier for you to think about the world, think about the world. 
But when we look at the ungodly activities that go on in the United States and our country today or in the world today, would we say that we are greatly distressed? When's the last time we've lost sleep about it? I'm asking myself the question too. When's the last time that we have lost sleep because somebody is on the path to hell? Church, I'm going to tell us we will not experience revival until that happens. We will not experience true revival until that happens. It's not enough just to think we're going to heaven. We, I praise God. I praise God that I am going to heaven. I hope you can say the same thing. But if our hearts don't break for lost people that are on the way to hell, something is wrong. Something is wrong. I'm going to tell you how I pray for you. And some of you might not like how I pray for you. But I pray that God will break my heart and each of your hearts for the lost. That is what I am praying specifically every day for me and for this church. That our hearts will break for the lost. That we will be bold witnesses to share the gospel. That God will send a revival to this place. Do we want it? If so, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. God, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart for the lost. Again, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming and there are going to be people that will stand before Jesus on that day and He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So as we look around our society today, again, would we say that we are greatly distressed by the condition of our society today? Or have we somehow become immune to it? Or are we standing on the Word of God, truly standing on the Word of God? Or does our silence indicate that we are endorsing the ungodly? It's one or the other. It's one or the other. Now, I, I do not want anybody to misunderstand me. We should desire that this church be full of people who do not know the Lord. We should want them to be here. We should want them to hear the gospel. We should want them here. We should want them to be saved. But we've got to tell the truth in love. We have got to tell the truth in love. Of course, everyone is welcome here. Everyone is welcome here. We want broken people here. We're all broken people. I've been saved by the grace of God, and I hope that you can say that too. But I desire that other people be saved by the grace of God that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior today. And then when we see that God rescues Lot, and we can see as a result of this that He also He also um, I've lost the word. He also rescues believers of their trials. But I want you to stay with me for just a minute. Because coming to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that does not mean the absence of trials. But that rescue, church, the true rescue will happen 
For the child of God, when they stand before Jesus face to face and they hear those words when He says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. That will be the rescue that is coming. And I'm going to tell you just as the old song says, I truly believe we'll soon be done with the troubles and trials that we experience on this earth. I think we will very soon be done. Now, don't don't leave here and say he's trying to say he knows when Jesus is coming back. I don't know that. Scripture is very clear that we don't know that. But no matter how long it is, whether it's today or whether it's 500 more years, when we take that period of time and compare it to eternity, it's short. It is very short. Again, our life is but a vapor. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know Jesus today? If you do, there's a rescue coming from you, for you. There is a rescue that is coming for you. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, unfortunately, there's a punishment coming for you. There is a punishment coming. I wonder this morning, do you realize that false teaching is dangerous? Perhaps at some point in your lifetime, perhaps you've even been a victim of false teaching. I hope not, but it would be entirely possible. Again, church, immerse yourself in the Word of God. Know what it says. Live your life by this book. False teaching is dangerous. Don't believe something that sounds contrary to this book. Know what it says. Our invitation this morning has more than one thing I want to focus on. First of all, of course, is the lost. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please come today. I would love to introduce you to Jesus. Don't think you can wait until tomorrow. Tomorrow on this earth may not come for you. Again, there are people's lives that are going to end today. The vast majority of those people will not have seen it coming. Are you ready to stand before Jesus? If you're not, I compel you to come forward today during this invitation. Perhaps you're here this morning and you realize that you've become complacent in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you want to come forward and just kneel at the foot of the cross and tell Jesus that you desire to be a bold witness for him. Perhaps you want to commit publicly that you've got a desire to learn more and more about God's Word. I encourage you, come forward, kneel at the foot of the cross, make that declaration between you and God. You don't have to tell me anything. If you want to talk to me, I would love to talk to you, but you don't have to tell me anything if you come forward. That business can be between you and the Lord. That's ultimately who it's between anyway. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you're carrying a burden. Maybe it's a burden for a lost family member. Maybe it's some other type of burden. Can I tell you this morning that I know the person who is great at carrying burdens and his name is Jesus. I wonder this morning, would you come forward and give that burden to Jesus? Whatever your need is this morning, I pray that you'll come forward. And let's always remember, eternity is a long time.
to be wrong. It is a long, long time to be wrong. Are you sure you know Jesus today? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for knowing that it's true. I pray this morning that you will move mightily during this time of invitation. Lord, may our eyes always be on you. Lord, I pray that we will live lives that are holy, pure, and acceptable to you. Lord, I pray that when others look at this church, they will see the reflection of you. Lord, may we be bold and intentional to point everyone that we come into contact with to Jesus. Father, I pray that you will send a great revival. Lord, I pray that we will desire that. Lord, I pray that you will break our hearts for the lost that are on their way to hell. Lord, I pray that you will wake us up in the middle of the night with names of lost people on our minds. And Lord, I pray that we will pray seriously about them. Lord, I pray that we would pray equally as serious about strangers that don't know you as we would if it was our closest family member. Lord, would you send revival? Lord, I pray that you will move mightily. I pray that you will do the exceedingly abundantly more this morning than our minds can think to ask or imagine. Lord, may you be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.